97, 98, 99, 100. Oh, Ben, what's going yes. on? I just finished doing 100 push-ups. One push-up for every episode of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Oh, my God. Well, Amy, you must be uh, you must be very tired, and we must conserve your energy storage for the I rest mean, of the Im- show. Im- imagine when we get to 200. Uh, but, well, you know, but, we're halfway there, man. But you, you, you know what that you know what that means. That's just what that, that's what, what just does that mean? that's just a hundred more opportunities for me to scare the crap out of you with my creepy ass profile <laughs> pictures. Yes, absolutely. So <laughs> you have you have plenty to look forward to over the next one hundred. But uh, yeah, this is this is going to be a big big show, and um, I'm looking forward to it. So. All right. He's Ben Pierce. This is the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Ben, how's it going? A hundred episodes. What's going on? Very good. And how? And how? As, how? I don't know. And assuming that since we're talking that uh, the uh, rip, the guitar riff has already played, I I, I love our intro song. I just I get the biggest. Are you, are you, are you, are you, are you like that Metallica music? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. I could be wrong, but isn't isn't that off of um hardwired to self-destruct? I believe it's off of load. Okay, well I'll have to I'll have to look at that. I thought it was hardwired to self-destruct. But anyway, it's called, it's, on, it's, it's called uh, the memory the memory remains. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, but I, for some reason, I thought that I thought that was off of Hardwired to Self-Destruct, but it might be an earlier one. It shows what I know about our production elements, but that's not my that's not my job on well, this hold show. On, what about what about the uh, extra music on the exit? Well, we don't do that anymore. Remember? Yes, we do. I, I've been I've been putting music at the exit. Okay, well then I will have I will have to actually listen toward the end. I uh, I was not aware. Anyway, uh, as my as my lack of production knowledge becomes extremely evi- evident, I'm actually not that stupid. And um, I, I did uh, I did plenty of research for uh, this show this evening, as it is our 100th episode. And in the midst of that research, I came across some news that really got my blood boiling. So I figured, oh, why don't you, why don't, you told me about this uh, off air? Go ahead. Why don't we start the show with one of my classic rants? Okay, here we go. And I would like to rec- I would like to use one of your taglines. Now look. Because this is one of those things where WWE management needs to fuss all the way the fuck off. Because all right. one, there we go. Uh, yes, exactly. Um, 
So, according to WrestleVotes... By the way, I just changed your name. Yes, I can only see the a little bit of it. What, oh, um, it says, I'm on a rant, bitch. Egg, oh, exactly. <laughs> well, well, Ben on the hatches, bitches, because Ben is on a rant this evening. Mm-hmm. So, given the fact that it's almost WrestleMania season, even though you wouldn't know that by watching WWE television because it continues to suck the life force out of my very soul. Okay. Um... Apparently, uh, WWE has some internal plans circulating for WrestleMania. Now, before I get into that, we, we should note that TLC is coming up uh, next weekend, and they don't have a finalized card for that. So... It's a little bit ambitious for them to be talking about Royal Rumble at this point if they don't have TLC oh, locked down. Hold on. Uh, they, 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 they have a few, uh, they have some matches already set up. Well, yes, they do, but I'm just saying they don't have the entire card. Oh, wait, how, many which, do they, how many do they have? Because I'm not really exactly sure. Well, they, they have the championship matches, but outside of that, nothing is ironclad. Oh, okay. Which I just find to be um, straight up embarrassing, to tell you the truth. I don't know why they do this. Stop doing that. Uh, exactly. You, you might want to put some forward planning into your... Um, into your product. I tell you, they, they, they don't like uh, the, to work, do they? Jeez. Uh, well, no, this is, but you have to remember, Elio, this is their uh, prescribed yearly pre-holiday vacation that they go on. And they're, they're supposed to kick it back into high gear around um, Royal Rumble season, which is obviously the road to WrestleMania. But this was, uh, upon hearing this news, um, I was well on, well on the way, on the road to getting an ulcer. Uh-oh. And I now have one, thanks to this. Uh-oh. Because, now, of these three matches, only one is pr- pretty much set in stone, and that, and that won't surprise you in being that it's Randy Orton versus Edge. We kind of already knew that because, you know, they need to finish off. Hold on, hold on. This is WrestleMania? Yeah. Randy Orton versus Edge. WrestleMania 37. Why? Yes. We already got it at 36. Well, well, because you have to remember, then they had the return match at Backlash, and now, need, now they need to do a third match to get the winner of the series. I All agree right. <laughs> you sound so enthusiastic. I, I I agree with your line of thinking, but we both know that this is how WWE works nowadays. So yes, that that's the one that I would say is pretty much ironclad at this point. Now, the other two. Now this is what's really going to raise your blood pressure, and and do feel free to join me on my rant. Oh, no. We have. Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar versus Keith Lee for the WWE Championship. No, 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 no. Why? 
<laughs> no, well, let's let's get specific here. Well, because I agree with you, but I just want to hear your thoughts. What specifically makes you say no to that proposed matchup? Keith Lee, what the hell? He just got there. And then apparently he was just sent back to the performance center to polish up his in-ring uh, work. And, and, and that, that was part two of this scenario. So I, find, I find it very interesting that this match is being proposed right after we hear that uh, Vince... Hold on. Where are my pills? Hold on. Where are my pills? Because what the <laughs> fuck? Yes. Elio needs his pills before he suffers a medical event live on the PNC Regression Wrestling Podcast. And of all episodes, Elio, you need to protect yourself because this is a landmark episode, my, my brother. So make sure you pop your pills before... I speak my next sentence. Should we pause 10 seconds for station right. identification uh, while you do that? No, actually, it's still, yeah, it's still early. I'm just saying, where are my pills? Because I need them for this to battle the stupidity I'm, I'm hearing. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. so, um, my, I would prefer if you take Drew McIntyre out of that equation and just have it be Brock Lesnar versus Keith Lee, because at least that's a that's a match that would make sense, uh, given that that was that was already teased at Survivor Series last year. Or am I speaking too much sense for Vince No Plan McMahon? <laughs> you Ben's a poet. That was that was an off the cuff poem just for you, Vince McMahon. Smarten up. Exactly. And but speaking of absolute shit, and I mean absolute bottom of the barrel, grab your plunger level bullshit. This wait, is wait the, a minute, what the hell? This, <laughs> you grab your plunger? What? Yes, I actually, I actually have it like ten feet away from me at the moment. Uh, the proposed main event of WWE WrestleMania 37 is Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. Oh, oh I, I, I heard about this. Now. No, no, before no, I no, just no, 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 no. Now, <laughs> very good. That was that was in sing song form. Very good. Um, but what what makes you adverse to that uh, to that matchup? Goldberg's last matches that he, that he's had, they've been bad, terrible. Yes. Although that's not the biggest reason why this should not be happening. Okay. Because now let me break this down for you. We're going to go back to WWE 101 with Elio Canella and his trusty assistant, Professor Pierce. Oh my. Class is in session. Here we go. Break out your notepads, bitches. (laughs) 
So, Roman Reigns versus Goldberg. Now, the first reason is this was supposed to happen, if you recall, at WrestleMania 36. Yep. At which point, shortly before the show, it was pulled only to have Roman Reigns replaced by Braun Strowman. And breaking news, in case you didn't realize, uh, we're getting a vacation from Braun Strowman because he's out with a knee injury, which is why he was pulled from a TLC match with Drew McIntyre for the title. Thank Christ for that. There, There is such a thing as small miracles. Now, if only a large miracle would take place, and Vince McMahon would suffer an, a, a memory loss event, to put it kindly, and forget that he wanted to book Roman Reigns versus Goldberg at WrestleMania 36, only to have it reappear because it did not happen, because Roman Reigns was concerned about coronavirus and the fact that his wife had just given birth to twins. So he pulled out of that scenario. And my respect level for Roman Reigns after that increased astronomically. Not to speak of the fact that he's doing the best uh, work of work of his career as a heel on this current run that he's on. Which brings me to point number two, Uh-oh. which is the biggest point of this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) And this is where you really want to break it down via bullet points. And this is where I earn my badge as a smart wrestling motherfucker. Now, now, here here it is. So, Roman Reigns, correct me if I'm wrong, Elio. Now, Roman Reigns is supposed to be the biggest heel in professional wrestling right now, correct? You're shaking your head, but we need verbal... Uh... Yeah, sure. No, I, just, okay. I, I had to cough, so I muted myself. Okay, well, this is, this, is a, this is not a visual podcast, so I'm just, you know, we need... We need emo- yeah, no, emo- I know. emotion going on. Very good. Yep. Now, given the fact that Roman is the biggest heel in the business right now, it would not serve to have him go one-on-one with William Goldberg because Goldberg is justifiably one of the most hated uh, wrestlers in the business right now ever since he killed uh, um, Bray Wyatt at the show that shall not be named in three minutes flat i'll have you mind terrible in case you need time to digest that allow me to repeat myself for those that like me are too smart to believe that that actually took place yes there was a point in history ladies and gentlemen where a 50 plus year old Bill Goldberg defeated the fiend Bray Wyatt. And why did that take place? Because Vince McMahon deemed it necessary to give Bill Goldberg a payday at the show that shall not be named. So the reason this pisses me off 
is not only did Goldberg kill one of the best uh, characters of the last 10 years in Bray Wyatt, but if you put him against Roman Reigns in any situation, then the heel turn that we are enjoying so much is all for naught because right off the bat, Roman Reigns would be the biggest face by taking down Bill Goldberg. See what see what I'm saying? Am I am I making sense? Yep. Now, now, I broke that down in the space of three minutes, which was the length of time that it took Bill Goldberg to kill Bray Wyatt's career because he hasn't recovered since that point. So wouldn't it make sense, given my argument, to not have that match for the sake of protecting your biggest investment right now in Roman Reigns? What the fuck are these people doing? In closing, ladies and gentlemen, here is what I would propose to replace those two matches because the, the first one we discussed, Randy Orton versus Edge, I don't have a problem with that because I want to see Edge get his roses after returning after nine years. So I would not mind at all if we saw Randy Orton versus Edge one more time at WrestleMania in front of a crowd because I do think that come WrestleMania 37, even though it's not going to be in SoFi Stadium in California, I do think we're going to see some fans in the new Thunderdome at Tropicana Field. Um, so there's that. Now, Drew McIntyre versus Brock Lesnar versus Keith Lee. Just take Brock Lesnar the fuck out of there because, you know, Drew McIntyre was made at WrestleMania 36 when he defeated um, Brock Lesnar in four minutes flat to become the WWE champion. Therefore, we don't need to see that. So you said take, you said take. Drew or Brock out? I thought you said. Uh, I thought you said. Uh, I thought you said Drew uh, earlier. Yeah, yeah. So you, t- you. I'm sorry. I might have misspoke. You take. You take um, Drew out of that scenario, and you make it Brock Lesnar versus Keith Lee at WrestleMania. Okay. Um, uh, and then in terms of Roman Reigns versus Goldberg, you just scratch that match entirely because that's one of the worst ideas I've ever heard of, uh, especially given the fact that he almost killed The Undertaker at, at the last Saudi show, at one of the last uh, <laughs> Saudi shows. It wasn't the last Saudi show because that was when we had the shit show with Bray Wyatt. See, I do my research. This is all the research I was doing in the preceding days uh, leading up to this landmark 100th edition of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Oh, roll, motherfuckers. Put on your seatbelt. Now, instead of Roman Reigns versus Goldberg, why don't we do something that actually makes sense 
and have Roman Reigns versus Daniel Bryan, given the fact that Jey Uso destroyed Daniel Bryan to make a point and to prove his loyalty to, to Roman Reigns. Wouldn't that make more sense? Yep. Because they, they, I, I, because I believe they were talking about uh, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns. Well, they should be talking about that. I'd much rather see that versus than Goldberg, for fuck's sake. So, ladies and gentlemen, this this lesson in wrestling booking 101 has been brought to you by your favorite podcast host in the world today. That being the man that's always piercing barriers and his trusty cohort, the Canadian gentleman known as Elio Canella. And now that the first rant has been completed on the centennial episode of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast, we can now progress to normal business. And with that being said, we will give you a break from my vocal cords and send you over to Elio for his take on AEW Dynamite. Elio, what do you have? All right, so on with our AEW review. Let's take a look at what we have. So, first of all, we had the uh, the opening match was Young Bucks defeating Hybrid Two. I thought this was a great opening match. It was just a fun match. Yeah. I was and I was a little bit uh, I was a little bit surprised um, that that Hybrid Two had had gotten themselves such a high profile match, um, given the fact that they hadn't really been on the show uh, that much in 2020. I I thought they would uh, continue with the pattern of giving uh, young tag teams a spotlight against against uh, the Young Bucks, but I thoroughly enjoyed this match. I, I always thought that uh, Jack Evans uh, specifically should have always been given a bigger platform in his career because I always thought he was tremendously talented. Then we had a Darby Allen video, which we can skip over because, ugh, just, no. Uh, yeah, they're, they're getting old. Sting speaks, and again, uh, of course, Cody Rhodes had to share the ring with Sting. I, I, it, it made sense, but I, I have to tell you, because I thought um, Sting's debut at Winter Is Coming um, was was fantastic, um, but. Considering the follow-up and and the fact that we didn't really get any answers as to why he's there, especially on a long-term basis, since Tony Khan signed him to, I believe, a three-year deal, that was a little bit underwhelming. And I would I would have done things a little bit differently um, there. What I what I would have liked to have seen was a definitive explanation as to what Sting is doing there, because we know uh, that given his 
advanced age and the fact that he can't really um, he can't really go in the ring anymore. What what is his what is his role? And that's that's something that I didn't um, that I that I don't I don't really enjoy because when you have a legend like Sting, there needs to be a plan in place as to what you're gonna do with him. And you know, so I I actually really liked the debut, but I heard um, that several people uh, did not because because of that very reason. Um, you know, and I, I said this on on last week's show, and I'll kind of uh, reiterate again. Um, you know, I've always been a fan of Sting, so anytime I get to, I get to see him, I'm I'm gonna have a pop um, because I I one I respect the guy so much, and two, I, I'm, I've always had fond memories of watching him ever since I was a little tiny fella. Um, but, but the issue there is this is 2020 Sting. This is not, say, a 2005 Sting. If this had been Sting, say that AEW had been around in 2005, right? Just hypothetically. And instead of going to TNA at the time, he went to AEW and let's just assume that all the current stars would still be the same. And let's just let's just switch out 2020 with 2005. So if a much younger version of Sting had been going one-on-one with Cody Rhodes or a Darby Allen or a MJF, that would excite me a lot more than an almost 60-year-old Sting who, honestly, no disrespect whatsoever, I'm happy he's there. It kind of brings his career full circle with uh, TNT if you want to bring in that connection. I'm just not sure what he can do at this point. By the way, he's actually uh, 62. I was looking it up the other day. Right, so he's, he's only three years younger than my dad, and to, to tell you the truth, it would appear that my dad is in better shape than he is. <laughs> so, no, and I'm, look, I'm not trying to be an asshole. It's just I'm legitimately confused as to what Sting could possibly do. Yeah. What's your take on that? What do you, what, uh, what do you feel about, about Sting right now? I don't know. I, I I guess I'm just gonna wait and see like what the, what they have planned for him because I don't I don't I can't see him like doing like matches he was doing uh like uh, say like ten or fifteen years ago. No, I can't either. So next we have FTR defeating the Varsity Blondes. What do you think about the Varsity Blondes? Well, you know, it, honestly, I haven't seen enough of Brian Pillman Jr. to render an opinion. And didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you to watch him out of you? Did you get? Did you get to? No, did you get to check it out? Seriously, did you get to check it out at least one or two? Uh, no, but I, as a matter of fact, I'm go. I'm going to do that this week. I just um. 
you know, uh, th- there's already so much wrestling, and I just have to make a point of yeah. sitting down and actually doing it. And, and plus, it's on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock. That's such an odd night to put MLW. And that's on YouTube, right? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So, so it's like you, will... you, you can watch it anytime, but like it's live on YouTube Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. I don't get it because AEW is on right at, right after at 8 p.m. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's just a little weird. Um, so, and I'm, I heard that MLW just uh, resumed uh, production yep. after the coronavirus pandemic layoff. Yep, they are so, back with the with the fresh new look. So that'll be interesting. Then we had Dustin Rhodes versus Ten of the Dark Order. Ah, uh, this match I didn't like. No, no, not at all. I mean, look, all all credit to Dustin Rhodes, and I mean this. If he was capable of doing this, now, imagine what what he could have done in WWE as Goldust in his later years if they had used him properly, but clearly WWE wasn't interested in doing that. Now, um, no, go on. I, and, and just in closing, I can't tell you how, how impressed I've been with Dustin Rhodes. I mean, it, it's been like, holy crap. And I, I am, I am so happy that he's getting to end his career in AEW and put on the level of performances he's been putting on. Now, did, did you uh, see that? Did you get that call back at the end of the match with, uh, with the evil Uno when he uh, when, when, when he yes. was calling yeah, when he was calling Dustin Rhodes seven. Yes, and um, you know, <laughs> I I appreciate I appreciate AEW's usage of history. However, seven in WCW is a piece of history that I prefer to for- forget. Yeah, because it was fucking atrocious. Did he even have any matches as, as that character? I don't even remember. Uh, no, because because justifi- justifiably so, I would say that you know Dustin put a put an end to the seven character rather quickly because even in his introductory promo, you know he he was like, why why am I dressed like this? I mean, why am why am I doing this? Yeah, I I forget the exact um verbiage he used, but you, you can tell just how frustrated he was that this had even made it to TV, which is which is a minor miracle in and of itself. Then we had the inner circle ultimatum. Oh, boy. What do you think of this? It was good, but not good. Like, uh, it was just uh, more of the same inner circle stuff that we've seen in the past. 
I did like what I did like when Ortiz uh, told Sammy, "Come on, shake ten. You're better than him, and you know it." <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. And I like uh, Jake Hager and uh, Wardlow's little exchange. Yeah, I mean, look, I I've been a fan of the inner circle, um, but I think in order to take it to the next level, um, MJF is really going to have to up his uh, sabotaging efforts because I think because my thought is this, I if I'm not mistaken, um, Chris Jericho is getting ready to leave AEW uh, briefly so he can promote the new Fozzie album. I'm still waiting for that to come out, Chris. Right. So if if that's the case, then that cracks the door for MJF to, like I said, up his sabotaging efforts as the new leader – and then when when um, when Chris comes back, he can be like, you know, I see what you're doing because if you caught this little part um, in that segment, uh, Chris even called out MJF because he recognized that he was trying to set up Sammy Guevara as the guy to throw in the, the towel. Yeah. Uh, with in. Um, Chris's match with Kazarian. So if they wanted to, uh, you know, capitalize and go further with that, then that could be a way of, like, deconstructing the inner circle while um, Chris Jericho is out and then having the Chris Jericho versus MJF match. And by the way, um, MJF, prior to AEW, he was also in MLW. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, you learn things every every um, time we hit record on this stuff of bitch, ladies and gentlemen, because uh, the professor is just full of interesting uh, bullet points. All right, then we had uh, Eddie's family versus Phoenix and Lance Archer because uh, Penta was taken out early in the match. Can I just ask? If Penta was taken out, why in the hell would you put Lance Archer in a, in a tag team scenario? If there is one individual in AEW where tag team competition makes absolutely no sense, it's Lance Archer. Actually, he's a coach. <laughs> No, actually, um, if you watch uh, NJPW, most of his uh, matches are as a tag team. Right, and I, I actually, I actually knew that, but I'm just saying in AEW, that's not how he's been presented. Well, yeah, yeah, um, but I, 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 like, I do, I do want to see where they go with this, uh, with this uh, face run that he's having now. It's because uh, he's always been a heel. Yeah, well, I, and especially, but you know, here's the here's the other thing, right? So, I think that um, 
you know, uh, Jake Roberts could be on, on his way out for a little while because he's dealing with, with health issues now. Um, according to a recent interview I saw with him, um, he was diagnosed with, I believe it was COPD. Don't quote me on that, but I, I no, think that was No, that was COPD. You're right. Okay, so I got it right the first time. See, I'm so good at this, and I don't even realize it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not an asshole. Um, unless you want me to be. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I think if um, if Jake Roberts is forced to, to take some time off, which which I don't know why he's there even now, considering that COVID and he's very high risk, you know, part of the very high risk age population. Um, so that's another argument in and of itself. But if I guess if you wanted to try having Lance Archer as a face, then you would have to remove um, Jake Roberts from the scenario because he just screams heel. Now, if I had my way, um, if I had my way, then Lance Archer would just stay heel because to me, he needs, he needs to be built back up as a monster because ever since he lost the TNT title to Cody, um, he's been, uh, he's been playing, uh, He's been playing checkers while everybody else has been playing chess. And that's not fair to someone the talent level of Alliance Archer. Okay. And then, then we have uh, Abaddon versus Tesha Price. This was fucking weird. You know, I... You don't um, like Abaddon, do you? Well... It, you know, it's it's funny because when you first told told me about her, um, because I don't watch dark, so I was not aware of her until you said something. Well, I was neither until until it popped up in my Google News on my phone. Uh, well, because I I, I, I I in addition to like the regular news, like I got I get like wrestling news uh, popping up. I well, I like I like Google a lot. It's like one of my favorite tools. Um, and, and, and no, we're not, we're not as old as most people who, uh, say they like Google. Um, actually, my mom really likes Google. She's like, you can find anything on there. I'm like, mom, it's the fucking internet. Relax. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, um, yeah, I, uh. Yeah, that'll, that'll, that'll be an interesting uh, scenario. Now, we were talking about... Sorry, go on. Go on. I just, I just think that, that that'll be an interesting scenario. Now, uh, we were talking about uh, what Abaddon looks like uh, without her, uh, her, her get-up. She's beautiful. Have you seen I mean, her? She's, You've seen her, right? Yeah. Right there. Yeah. I mean, she's gorgeous, man. Right. I mean, you know, the and like, look, when you, as I was gonna say, uh, when you told me about the gimmick, I was kind of intrigued because I, I've always been a Rob Zombie fan. You know, uh, you know, Hellbilly Deluxe has been on replay for years. Um, for me. 
that's I swear to God, that's like that's a classic album for me. Yes, and um, for for my uh, fellow music heads, you'll understand what I'm talking about. If uh, and if there's one piece of non-wrestling uh, related information that I'd like to get across, it's this: if you have not listened to that album or Rob Zombie in general then get the fuck off of this podcast and go listen to uh, Living Dead Girl off of uh, Hellbilly Deluxe because that's what Abaddon's character is based off of. Now, now, um, hold on. I don't know if I asked you this. Have you heard Hellbilly Deluxe too? Um, I... I think so. Although, to tell you the truth... Uh, nothing really jumps out at me, um, but I I believe so because um, because it just it just doesn't make any sense to me that I would not have heard that. So um, I'm sure if I pulled it up on Spotify, I would recognize it. And um and just to add another piece of. News now. Rob Zombie, of course, the singer, lead singer for White Zombie. Later tonight, I'm going to be recording a movie called from 1932 called White Zombie, which is where they got their name from. Cool. It's like it's like it's a horror movie from 1932. I love doing this show. You just learn all kinds of cool shit. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, Amazon, um, I don't like it, I don't hate it, it's just, um, I find it yeah, weird. If, if you're gonna, if you're gonna go with that, then there needs to be kind of, like, a progression, like, kind of an explanation as to why, uh, Abaddon is the way she is, um, I mean, I, I enjoyed the okay. acting Hold on, ben. of the opponent. Ben? Yeah. There you go. That's the cover for Hellbilly Deluxe 2. Yes, I, I will um I will make a point of listening to that as soon as we jump off of the show here. Alright, um Tisha Price, I need to see more from this one. See, you know what the problem with this women's division is a lot of yes. these women are on AEW Dark, so we don't get to see them. Because like how many well, people how many people really watch Dark? Well, well, there's that, and then there's the other bigger problem in that uh, the women's division is just such a glaring weakness uh, on AEW programming that when it's on, um, I have the distinct impression that a lot of people change the channel. And, um, you know, like, I'm all for seeing improvement but um, and I realize that the ladies have to work in order for that to happen. But as I've said on previous shows again and again, you know, put them on dark where they can get um, they can get some experience, and and don't put them on a national uh, platform like this where they're going to get exposed. Because and this is a this is another issue where I can bring in something from later in the show. They had they had Shaq 
That was, that was bad. Well, yes, and, and we and we can we can both agree that this was a absolute low light of the show. Can we not? Um, because because Tony Schiavone was interviewing Shaq. And then it became a back and forth between. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, and then it became a back and forth between Shaq and Randy Rhodes. And first it was just like a kiss ass, oh, you're, you're great kind of thing. And then, and then as Randy Rhodes got up to leave, he was like, watch out for Jade Cargill. You know, she's going she's gonna to sneak up on you and catch you if you're not careful. Something to that effect. And then Brandy Rose threw water in his face, and then that became that became the story of this of the segment and the fact that we have to watch out for Brandy Rhodes and Jay Cargill on uh, on AEW television. Now, I will I will say this: I have not seen Jay Cargill hardly at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, I have not seen her at all outside of her debut on Dynamite, so I'm not ready to completely shit on her. Um, even though I I found the segment to be uh, terrible, to put it kindly. Um, but if one of your major um, women's division storylines is going to be Brandy Rose versus Jay Cargill. You got yourself a fucking problem. In a in a division where you have Serena Deeb and then you also have Thunder Rosa coming in from time to time, I don't want to see Brandy Rhodes. Now, look, I understand that Brandy Rhodes is not a wrestler. Um, she comes across as a very intelligent human being. I actually, I actually quite enjoy following her on Twitter um, because I get to, I get to see pictures and videos of Pharaoh all the time, and I'm a big Pharaoh fan. Do you do you, do you, do you ever uh, have a shot of brandy? Well, uh, well, I, I I can't do that because that's disrespectful <laughs> that, to uh, Cody Rhodes. That's 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 that's, that's that's the name of her uh, show, her little segment. It, it, well, exactly, but I, I, we we can take that a, lot, a wide variety of ways, and I, I, I just can't do that one because I'm straight edge, but two, I have no desire whatsoever to get my ass kicked by Cody Rhodes and number three. I just have too much respect for the sanctity of marriage at that point, but I'm a little bit old school. Have have you ever no Have you ever seen uh, her show? Uh, no. And today, actually, I'm not. actually, that's where I first uh, saw Orange Cassidy, where I like actually heard him talk. Oh yeah, so you so you actually heard him talk before he had the uh, debate yeah. with Jericho. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, I I am I am not interested in seeing Brandy Rhodes as a wrestler, and I hope that it doesn't come off as making me an asshole. But like, I think I think we saw enough of her in the collective where we knew it wasn't gonna work if 
if she's involved in AEW in an in-ring capacity. Okay, you know what? I have uh, I have this opened about the, the page for Randy Rhodes, and um, I'm just looking at now. Of course, it's got like looking at her um, her like family. Of course, we got Dusty Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes, but also uh, I don't know if you knew this Scorpio Sky. Is he is he related to her? Uh, it says uh, Scorpio Sky cousin. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Does that say that on Wikipedia? Yes, it's yeah, right there. It says on Wikipedia, Scorpio Sky cousin. Oh. Now we well, we all we we all know about Wikipedia and uh, how reliable it is, but like uh, yeah, well, st- I, stuff like uh, this, I have stuff like this. I I I believe. No, well, I, I, but I wouldn't believe that because I think, I think if they were cousins, we would have heard about that on AEW already. Like, don't you think? Don't you think that that would have been that would have been at least mentioned, if not a, if not a very good way to introduce Scorpio Sky. Uh yeah, yeah, this is true. I mean, uh. They already, they, we already know Dustin, Dustin and um, Cody. Yeah, I mean, so they would have, they, my point being, they would have made it a point to make him a part of the Nightmare family and introduce him that way. You know, that's weird because why, would, why wouldn't they bring him in? They brought in this guy, this Lee Johnson. Oh, my God. It's like, okay. All right. <laughs> You know, the, the Nightmare family is starting to remind me of, like, 2000 NWO. It's like everybody and their mother's cousin's plumber is in the, the Nightmare mother's family. Mother's cousin's plumber, what the hell? <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's just ridiculous. Well, see what I did there? Instead of the grandson of a plumber, I went yeah. You know that kind of thing, but um, but uh, you know, it's just to my knowledge, Lee Johnson hasn't won a single match. What is he doing on TV with the first family of of uh, you know AEW and arguably one of the most important families in professional wrestling? Like, why would you put Lee Johnson in that position when he's a jobber? Now, right. that's not an insult to Lee Johnson. I'm, I'm just looking at the facts. So what's next? All right. So then uh, following that, we have... Now, you didn't watch Impact Wrestling, did you? I, I did. I, I didn't, but I did see... Um, a little bit of of uh, Kenny Omega's portion. Okay, well, did this uh, was just this interview was just basically the same thing they had on Impact. He said the same thing. I noticed that. And why do you think they did that? Because I was very confused. I have no because, idea, but uh, that was just weird. Like that's why when I he they started talking, I I recognized it right away. This is the same thing he said on Impact. 
Yeah, and, and it's it's very odd because they went out of their way numerous times, both on the, on the uh, show last week and on social media to make the point that, that Kenny was going to be on Impact and to watch that promo. And while I didn't watch Impact Live, um, you know, apparently they had uh, some success with that cross-promotion because... 400,000 people ended up watching uh, watching Impact last week. Now, now and, and that's good for them. I'm, I'm not knocking them, but it's just, why would you why would you cut the same exact promo that you just cut, you know, like like the day before? Like, why? I don't I don't understand that. Now let me ask you, uh, what, do you what do you think of Don Callis? I don't have a problem with Don Callis himself, but I would have I would have preferred that it be somebody else to introduce um, to introduce uh, Kenny as the cleaner and complete his heel turn. And the reason I say that is because. I don't think there are enough people like you and I who are long-term wrestling fans who watch AEW, who in turn would know who Don Callis is from back in the day. Because I think if you if you were to ask a normal, you know, 18 to 20-something demographic, um you know, who Don Callis is and what what uh, roles he's played in WWE and ECW before this, they wouldn't know the answer. So it's almost like, well, who is this guy? Because to me, he, he the way that they're presenting him, he looks like the guy... Saul from Breaking Bad. That's what that's what he reminds me of right now. He's just a sleazy accountant, you know, involved in the, the drug running business. It's and, and, and look, I'm a fan of of Don Callis. You know, was a, a Cyrus the Virus. I got a huge kick out of that in ECW. So I'm a, I'm always going to be a Don Callis guy. Plus. Whenever I watched, you know, NJPW on um, on that site that you and I both enjoy, you know, I enjoy his work on NJPW. So there's a lot of respect f- from me to Don Callis, and I'm I'm not just saying that, you know, because of, of this, but I, I'm just I'm just calling it like I see it. I would have had somebody else introduce Kenny Omega. That was a bigger platform name that everybody knew that could help facilitate him into that role. Okay. And then in the main event for the Diamond Ring. So stupid. MJF versus Orange Cassidy. And and I'm I'm gonna let you I'm gonna let you finish, not to pull it not to pull up Batista or Maria Canellas at the Slammies in 2009. I'm gonna 
I, I'm going to let you finish. But, um, you know, given the fact that I don't understand what the purpose is um, for this Dynamite Diamond Ring, uh, why would you have uh, MJF win it twice in a row? Does that mean that he... Does that mean that he retains possession of the ring, or does yeah. he get a second yeah. ring? And oh. if he has a second ring, and can he trade them in, or even if he just has a one? So whether it's one or two rings, does he trade them in for a world title shot Again, against whoever? Or what is the meaning of the Dynamite Diamond Battle uh, or the Dynamite Diamond Ring because so far in a little bit over a year of AEW television, we don't know what the fuck it means. I have no idea. I just, so it's, it's, to me, it's just a waste. For, for everything that, for look, and, and, and I'm not an AEW ass kisser. I just happen to enjoy that product more than WWE at the present time. Um, but having said that, I'm going to call AEWL on this because if you're going to have these kinds of things in your product, then you have to explain them to me. You have to make them important to your fan base. And on several different things, you know, the Dynamite Diamond, uh, you know, Battle, Battle Royals, the, the actual ring itself, whether it's the women's division, whether it's the lack of a mid card, you know, um, you know, whatever, whatever it may be, you know, you, you need to address these weaknesses and, and turn them into strengths. And if you're, if you're not going to do that, if you don't have a creative direction for something, don't pull a WWE and just have them languishing and nothingness. Pull it out and then bring it back later if you got something in mind for it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's that's my frustration. Yeah, no, I, I was actually done. No, I, I was just, uh, that was the main event. And for me, I just didn't like it because I don't get the point of this diamond ring. Okay. And um, while I while I do the NXT review, why don't you uh, take your pills and, and while you're doing that, I will uh, I will fill I already, up the I already, I already I already did. That's okay, why I, that, that's why I said earlier when I was going like this. Oh, okay, very good. I was telling okay. you to continue talking while I do. Yeah. Okay, very good. I thought it was something else. No, um, so we're all good. It, I got my lemonade, anyway. and we're all good. Okay, we're good. Well, speaking of speaking of of semi good, um, we uh, we come off of war games with the next edition oh. of. I thought I'm doing NXT. You and SmackDown. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll then you pull double duty. I'm sorry. My bad. No, oh, that's okay. <laughs> All right. So on with the NXT. So of course we're coming off of uh, War Games with uh, that awesome official theme that they selected. Good job. 
Yes. But, I, uh, but did, so did, did you hear, did you hear uh, the other one they also had? No, I didn't hear the other one. Uh, it's, called, it? it's called a hydrochloride by Ghost Main or Ghost Main, something like that. Okay, well, I was more focused on war pigs, obviously. Right, yeah. You can tell how important that one is uh, when uh, the other one yeah. is, is much better. All right, so we get the return of Finn Balor. The prince is back. And, uh, of course, we get his challengers. We got Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, Damian Priest. Of course, Scarlett makes her way out, So I, and I thought that we were going to get Karrion Cross, but we don't get him right away. Yeah, um, but I, I like how they I like how they did this. And and then that brings us to our first match: Isaiah Swerve Scott versus Jake Atlas. I don't know, but I don't know about you, man. I know this is your statement, but let me just ask you something. Uh, what do you think of, of Jake Atlas? I think he's okay. Uh, like I, I, he's just okay. Like I, nothing really stands out about him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, even the same with Isaiah Scott. Like. No, Isaiah, Isaiah Scott's too talented to be stuck in the doldrums. By the way, he was also an MLW prior to NXT. Oh, aren't you an encyclopedia of and, useful uh, knowledge? He was under the name Shane Strickland. I, I, ha I have heard that name before. That brings us to Grizzled Young Veterans versus Imperium versus Everrise. Ben, what were they doing? Why Why am I seeing Everrise again? Yeah, yeah um, you know, and, and it really surprised me that Everrise almost stole this match. I was, I, was, I was about to be very pissed off, and I was about to start off uh, this very podcast with an epic rant concerning Everrise, which really would have pissed me off and put me in the wrong frame of mind for this historic 100th episode of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Have I said that yet? Yeah, because I'm so fucking excited. Um, so I'm like, I don't get it. What do what do they see in this team? I don't understand. Well, you know, every every company needs jobbers, man. No, you know, nobody else, no, no company can have everybody be a star. I, I don't know. But, you know, I would have been uh, much more satisfied uh, with this match. And I think, I think James Drake and Zach Gibson would have been much, uh, much more satisfied with their win had it come uh, against uh, Imperium in a, in a traditional tag match setting. Um, because to me, um, you know, and a lot of people might not know Zach Gibson and uh, and uh, James Drake because they were on NXT UK. Um, but if you're not um, familiar, you need to get familiar very quickly because this is why this is why NXT needs a more in-depth tag division. I like because they need. Go ahead. I'm say, say again. No, I said I like. Say uh, again. 
I like Grizzle doing event trainers. Yes, I do too. So they, you know, they need more uh, opponents than just Imperium um, to really, uh, to really um, set off how talented they are because um, they are former NXT UK tag team champions. And I can very easily see them uh, being NXT, NXT champions on the black and gold American brand. Uh, if if uh, creative wants to go that route, um, but uh, as to, as to your earlier point, yeah, Everise did not need to be in this situation. And then we uh, have the uh, War Games yeah. retrospective. Where we see a video, and uh, that brings us to a backstage interview with Tony Storm. Io Shirai uh, walks in and tells Storm that. She doesn't. Uh, she doesn't hate her. She just doesn't like her very. Much. She's not angry at her. She just doesn't like her very much. Yeah, and you know, I would have um, given the fact that um, Tony Storm turned on EO, um, but before a tag team match a few weeks ago, I would have expected more interplay um, between between those two, but rather, uh, rather, um, the focus of the women's tag team match was Raquel Gonzalez and, and Rhea Ripley. And it was actually Io Shirai that took the big bump through the table from Io. So I was, I was a little bit surprised at the lack of, uh, storytelling surrounding Tony Storm, uh, in in this scenario, so I guess uh, someone saw that loose end and decided to uh, tie it up on NXT television, um, which is something I appreciate. I'm just uh, surprised at the delay. Um, now, now I don't know, and feel free to jump in on this one, Elio, because I'm trying to get you uh, more involved in the podcast than you were last week, and that was my uh, my fault because of uh, technical difficulties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, <clears throat> but what what do you what do you think of Tony Storm as a heel? Did uh, did uh, NXT pull the trigger too early on that? I think it was truly. I don't know. All yeah, I don't know how well Tony Storm works as a heel. I'm just, I'm just not buying it as a heel. At least yeah, right, right, at least right now. Me, I don't know. Maybe give it more time, but for right now, I just don't not seeing it. Yeah, it's it's for me. It's in the same ballpark as you know Johnny Gargano as a heel. Like even though um, he's doing like really good work. I just I don't buy the heartbeat of NXT as as a heel like and and the same can be said for uh, Candice LeRae although although with her gimmick change as the Poison Pixie I'm more ready to accept uh, Candice LeRae as a heel than I am Johnny Gargano but given the fact that they're married I guess they're a package deal so. Now I know I, I know you're a fan of uh, Johnny Gargano, but come on, what do you think of this group that he put together, the Gargano way or um, the way? It, 
Yeah, it, it just it comes off weak. <laughs> uh, it comes off as an afterthought, and I I hate using that word. It afterthought when put next to Johnny Gargano's name uh, sounds like a terrible, horrific insult. Um, you know, the likes of which that would make the classroom gasp in astonishment. Um, so I don't know if this is going to work long term. Um, you know, and also, so I like the fact that, that Austin Theory is associated with Gargano, but I'm not, I'm not sold on Indy Hartwell in the group. Yeah, I don't know what to think so, about Indy Hartwell. Well, so, in, in her in her defense, I guess I haven't seen enough of her uh, from an in-ring perspective to pass judgment. But it just it seems very random to put her in a group with someone as big as a Johnny Gargano. With with Austin Theory, I can see it because. That kid has superstar quality written all over him. Uh, even though he got um, wrapped up in, uh, you know, the speaking out movement over the summer and was pulled from uh, from a storyline with Seth Rollins, which was a, which was actually may have been a blessing in disguise. I was getting ready to call it a speed bump, but it might have been a blessing in disguise. So he's he's definitely uh, better off with this Johnny Gargano situation. And now uh, I I brought that up uh, the celebration, but prior to that we had Tommaso Ciampa versus Cameron Grimes. And uh, to the moon. <laughs> See, I'm I'm learning from you. I'm I'm. Refining my impersonations. I, I, now, I for for the OGs of this podcast, you'll you'll know that I have struggled in the past with accurate impersonations. The only time I was able to pull off an accurate one was with Ward Alfred Hayes. Um, but to, uh, to this day, I think I may have just pulled off my best. Impersonation with Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes to um, the moon. Exactly, and uh, <laughs> you still do it better than I do. But I have I have to give you some shine on this podcast. Um, and and you do and you do it so well. Um, but um, you know I think I think Tommaso Ciampa needed this win. Um, I will say I think. I think he is one of the bulletproof guys on NXT roster, uh, much the same as uh, Johnny Gargano. Um, but uh, you know, he definitely he definitely needed this because he's been kind of floating since getting his ass handed to him by Karrion Cross. Then we had Pete Dunn versus Killian Dane. This was kind of a random matchup. Um, really? Didn't you see uh, at the? Uh, didn't you see that brawl at the beginning of the show? No, um, I saw. No, I must have missed that. 
Yeah, I know. After the Finn Balor segment, uh, there was a brawl backstage between Dunn and um, Killing Dane. Oh, I, yeah, I definitely missed that. that yeah, so that, that's where this match is from. Comes from in. Okay. Now. <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll be very interested to see what they do with um, Pete Dunn because I I would not keep him in the Kings of NXT. He just doesn't fit in with that group. Now, they um, they had another Zaya Lee video this time. It was it was a lot of blood in this one. Um, yeah, it was a little bit uncomfortable. I'm I'm just want to know. I still want to see where they go with this though. Um, yeah, they, they might want to just back off the potential racial overtones. Um, I think if you go back and take a look at it again, you'll, you'll understand, uh, where I'm coming from with that. Now, you, you, you know, I'm not a PC guy, but, uh, that, I will admit that that segment made me a little bit uncomfortable. Which one the last week, the water? Yeah, the one with the water, and then this one just because it was like, ugh, it was. Um, uh, it, the, the, the blood was a, was a little uncomfortable. I'm still intrigued at where they're gonna go with this. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, look, I'm not bashy and I'm willing to give it a chance, yeah. but uh, you but know, they, they, they better give us something though. Don't just but, like keep doing this and then we get nothing though. But last last week was a little uh, was a little bit over the line in my opinion. Okay. And then we have our main event, Raquel Gonzalez and Amber Moon. And this one I like I enjoyed this one. Yeah, I did too. Um, you know, because I, I don't I'm surprised that Amber Moon didn't get the victory because you know she just came back from a year off. But then, then again, with the way that they presented um, presented Raquel Gonzalez as really a star-making performance in, in in war games, if you think about it, I, I given that I wasn't surprised uh, that she went over on on this uh, scenario. All right, so that is our review of NXT. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back with Ben's. Review of SmackDown, and then we are going to fire the DeLorean. So stay Absolutely. tuned for that. Very good. Plenty more to come after the break. Stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And before we take a trip back to Armageddon 99 um, for uh, Stephanie's heel turn against her father, um, we are going to make a pit stop back in uh, Florida, this time at the Tropicana Field as the WWE Thunderdome makes its re-debut in a different section of Florida. Not that anybody gives a fuck. You know, it didn't even feel like a, like a different uh, place. It felt like the same Thunderdome. No, you're exactly right. Um, and uh, to your point, I actually forgot that this was... Um, that this was a different setting until I uh, listened to a podcast after SmackDown on Friday night. So uh, you're exactly right. They did not do a good job of uh, selling that. But interestingly enough, I would um, 
you know, if I didn't have a life, which I do, because uh, <laughs> I'm not a loser, um, you know, I would actually go back and watch SmackDown again with the express purpose of seeing if I could find any differences. But uh, having watched the show as closely as I did, um, because I knew I was going to be reviewing it tonight, I have to be honest with you, and I'll say that I did not notice anything um, uh, largely different. Okay. Um, but with that being said, let's jump right into uh, the SmackDown review. And as I was telling Elio uh, right before we came back on the air, I have to give the same warning to the people of uh, the PNC universe and that I am going to go on an absolute rant uh, as we open up this review. So uh, be prepared. Uh, with your classic taglines there, Elio, and you know what they are. Yeah, I know what they are. So we, we open up with uh, Sasha Banks coming to the ring for a contract signing for a match that will not be taking place, at least according to the logic that was presented as the night progressed. Let me get into some further detail here. So out comes Sasha Banks, who I have to say, she looked absolutely incredible. I don't mean that in a creepy fashion, but ha but hats off to the um, to the WWE costume department for the way that they dress Sasha Banks because holy shit. <laughs> Okay, I, I would I wouldn't be a hot blooded American male if I didn't mention it at least once. Okay, I, I'm sorry, but there, there's there's quotas that have to be met on this show. <laughs> but anyway, so as good as she looked, man, she was hot under the collar in the temper department as well because Adam. Be Adam Pierce is here. I almost said I almost said Adam Banks as if I'm watching uh, Mighty Ducks two back in the nineties. Christ, um, God, God, I need a drink after this one. So, so we get a as I said, we get a contract signing, but whereas Banks signed. The, uh, the contract with her trademark stamp, which I absolutely love. That's just a little piece of different from these typical uh, contract signings um, that Sasha brings, Sasha brings to the table. So, you know, she immediately signs, and then Carmella um, calls to her assistant. Now, she has, I believe the name that they used um, for this gentleman was Tommy, although I could be wrong. No, you're right, Tommy. So, okay. See, I, I do pay attention. This is See, this is a podcast that's just going swimmingly well because I haven't made any glaring fuck-ups. Very good. This is, this is good shit, pal. <laughs> This is absolutely wonderful shit. 
Um, so after after she sends her new bitch uh, to the ring to deliver the contract to uh, Banks, um, Banks uh, gets pissed and for some reason or another, um, after uh, Tommy makes contact with her, um, she gets pissed and it hits the bank statement and off we go. But instead of instead of actually having the contract signing uh, for the match at uh, TLC, which was the whole point of this, at least I thought so, um, this whole situation with Tommy got Sasha so, so pissed off that she decided we're going to have this match tonight, which begs the question, Elio, and this is this is where I would love your take on this. Um, if they're going to have this match at the pay-per-view in less than two weeks, why would you give it away on free TV on SmackDown in this capacity? Exactly. I don't. I don't get it. So now, now they just uh, d- destroyed anything. Uh, why would I care about their match on uh, at TLC now? Exactly because you've already seen how it's going to unfold, especially. Yep. Especially since we saw a DQ scenario uh, this evening. Yep. Um, so, but, but we will get further into that as the show ends because, you know, I'm never going to complain about Sasha Banks opening and closing any show. Um, it's just when she's involved in this capacity, I get uh, pissed off. But another contract signing comes and goes, and I couldn't give two shits. Uh, speaking of not giving two shits, and this hurts my heart because I absolutely love the Street Profits. I just don't, uh, I just don't care about what, uh, about what they're involved in currently. Um, so, so Dawkins and, um, and, uh, yeah, yes. Actually, I didn't forget his name. I was just, I was just exasperated at what I'm about to say. Um, so I appreciate the the pickup, but uh, it's not necessary. I I was um I was very pissed off at the choice of vernacular. Uh, in the, in this promo because I had to I had to hear the term doppelganger in 2020. Uh, to describe Bobby Roode and to mock Bobby Roode's facial hair as if we're in the fucking first grade. Not that anyone in the first grade would have facial hair, but you get my point. Um, so we're we're getting we're getting this match: the, the Street Profits versus uh, Bobby Roode and uh, Dolph Ziggler, and once again. Uh, for the second straight uh, segment of the show, I have to ask why we're getting this match because we're going to see the match in 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 a week at um, TLC. So I'm just I'm getting increasingly pissed off 
as this review keeps going. Uh-oh. Um, <clears throat> so match number one, finally, for fuck's sake, after two consecutive promos, I, I hate how WWE structures are made their main roster television. It's so fucking stupid. I, I can't tell you how many times in, in that 20 minute period that I got up and got a snack. I had a whole array of, of shit going on. I had I had raisins. I had funnies. I had I had fucking cheese slices. I had a whole I had a whole menu set up before we even Damn. got to match number one of the Wow. Okay. Yes, I'm I'm a I'm a foodie. What can I tell you? <laughs> um anyway, which is weird considering how picky I am, but I wish WWE was more picky about what the fuck they put on their television screen on a weekly basis for the red and blue brands. Right. Damn anyway. It. Now look. Anyway, so we once again we get a distraction finish, which leads us to getting this match again at the pay-per-view, which once again begs the question: Why did we get the match in the first place if it was just going to end? With Ford getting crotched and hit with a super kick for the one, two, three. But what the, what the hell do I know about professional wrestling booking? Clearly, I know more than Vince McMahon and Bruce Fuck You Butcher. <sighs> Am I somewhere in the ballpark here? Really? Yes. <laughs> uh, Are you uh, enjoying? This review right I, yeah, this I, yeah, I, you are on fire. <laughs> so, oh, oh, but stay tuned because it's gonna get, it's gonna get burning hot. We're gonna have a five wire fire in this motherfucker. <laughs> Later on, but anyway. So, match number two, we see Sami Zayn versus Big E. Uh, and preceding this, um, is Zane is showing off his merchandise, which he finally got courtesy of WWE uh, Shop.com. Uh, Zane, Zane does have merchandise. Say again? Sammy Zane doesn't have merchandise. It was Big E. Oh, oh. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, so Big E was laughing at uh, Sami Zayn's objection to his merchandise because Sami Zayn doesn't have any. I don't uh, know. Why. Uh, although that ridiculous one they presented with him, uh, him with, I wouldn't be surprised if that's not already selling on the oh, website. For, oh, for fuck's sake! I, I hope I hope not. Have you been on WWE.com? There, I haven't seen. You know what? On five research, I gotta see this. Their their merchandise selection sucks. The only cool shirt that they have is the one um, that is currently on uh, Kevin Owens. But um, so before we get into before we get into the match, um, can I just ask you a question about Sami Zayn as a heel? Okay. Um, why is it that he looks like a knockoff Cuban dictator named Fidel Castro? 
I mean, for as politically correct as we know that WWE is, because they make it painfully obvious on a weekly basis, I'm surprised that this has fallen through the cracks here, because um, it is just extremely obvious, and it's all I can think of when Sami Zayn is on my television screen. Yeah. Um, so the match was painfully long. Uh, preceded by a painfully um, brutal um, heel promo by Sami Zayn. Now, here's the thing about Sami Zayn, right? So, in the past on this podcast, we've gone over my personal problems with Sami Zayn outside the ring. And those still hold true, but inside the ring, I'm I'm a big fan of his... And as a heel, he does great work. But my only question to you is, why does he have to be a chicken shit heel every single week and constantly find ways to get disqualified or counted out? Because I have to tell you the truth. If he wasn't, if he wasn't the Intercontinental Champion or, or a champion of any sort right now, I wouldn't give a fuck. I would just call him a chicken shit heel. But... Given the fact that he is the Intercontinental Champion, which has always been my favorite championship in WWE, and at one point was presented as as important or perhaps even more important than the WWE Championship, I find it very disturbing how far the prestige of the Intercontinental Championship has fallen. Uh, the fact that I got through that without tripping over my words is a miracle of the English language. You, you, who, you don't like the 10 count? No. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I don't mind it when it's used properly or, or sparingly, but it, it seems to be the entirety of, of um, Sami Zayn's... Uh, oh, my gimmick. God. Ben? Yeah. Okay, now look. Not, not, to, not to cut you off on your review. Yeah. Look, here, let me, uh, let me pull you up on full screen. Hold up. Hang on. Oh, my. Did they put... Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, shit. Hold on. It sells for $37.54. <laughs> they what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Uh, my head is going to explode. They put that on WWE.com. It's there. It's Are got a price. It's got a price. Put in the price. So... Um, Sorry, you may have said this, but over my over my exclamations of horror, I didn't recognize it. So, for, since we're not a visual podcast, let me set this up properly. And yes, my name tag is still is still relevant because I'm still on a rant an hour later, bitch. Um, yeah, but um, so this this white T-shirt of Sami Zayn as a stick figure. Uh, is selling on www.com for a price tag of how much? $37.54. 37 motherfucking dollars? <laughs> that was fuck. 
<laughs> I kid you not. I was like, I, I typed up. I'm going to do it again right now. I'm going to type in Sami Zayn in the search uh, box, okay? Sammy oh, yeah, because I just want to make sure that, that that's accurate. Okay. okay. So, no, I typed in Sami Zayn. It's got all the t shirts. Sami Zayn, the, that's, the, and the, that's the first one on the list right there. Oh my God. <laughs> no, that is. <laughs> That is selling for $37.24. Ladies and, ladies and gentlemen, usually I don't insult people on this podcast unless it is WWE creative. But I must say, if there is a single person who buys that t-shirt for $37.24, you may... 54 Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. My, my 30 cent error on this prestigious episode is so is so heartbreaking. If anyone pays $37.54 for that t-shirt, you may be the dumbest motherfucking individual I have ever come across in my years of watching professional wrestling and buying merchandise. I have never in my life seen a more bushly bullshit design in my entire career as a professional journalist and professional professional wrestling fan. And yes, I, I have been a journalist for many years um, prior to starting this podcast. So don't question my background, bitches, because um, it's there. I have the degrees to back it up. This is absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely absurd. So speaking of absolutely absurd, once we once we get well then I'm, uh, I'm putting my order in for that t-shirt. <laughs> if you hit the if you hit the <laughs> order button live on this show, I am going to literally <laughs> I am going to shatter my computer by pouring Pepsi all over it, and I am no longer doing this podcast, and I had to spend $500 on a new computer. So if you do that, it's fuck you. That's That is the most ridiculous design I've ever seen, Maggie. Good so, Lord. You know what? Go to Pro Wrestling Come and buy yourself a decent shirt. Exactly. Thank you. It just makes me so sad. But on we go with this review. Although, although that was a very uh, that was a very disturbing detour that I need to recover from. (laughs) So then we have um, Bailey wishing Carmella well in her match. We all know how that's going to end. I don't even have to review that part. Um, and then, and then we have another Carmella segment after it was, it was, it was teased before the commercial break that here comes Roman Reigns, uh, and Paul Heyman, but then for the second consecutive segment, we get Carmella and they are really pushing her. And by, by the way, far be it for me to make fun of someone's, um, attire 
because I'm not the most fashionably conscious person. Because if, if uh, and I'll give you a, a CPism, right? So if I wear a collared shirt, ladies and gentlemen, I'm gonna have a problem uh, because I only have one functioning hand. And unless I have a lady friend to help me take it off, I'm going to be sleeping in that shirt. So I'm a, I'm a uh, t-shirt guy. There's actually, I, I forget his name, but I, I got that joke from a, from a comedian who also has uh, CP, um, who is on uh, America's Got Talent. Um, and uh, in, like I said, I'm blanking on his name, but... I'm not going to take credit for that joke, but it was just, it was, um, it was perfectly timed given the situation because uh, Carmilla um, is wearing this uh, leopard thing that, um, to put it kindly, would not look out of place in a triple X production. I think you're talking about her uh, red, red uh, outfit. Is it? Well, is that- it- Oh, is this well, another? That, is this another one she changed? Well, no, because she, she was wearing the she was wearing the red dominatrix looking thing uh, during her match, but in in the promos she was wearing this leopard thing. Okay. I I, I swear to God, not to be unkind or controversial for the sake of controversy, but it, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't have looked out of place on a porn set, and and the reason the reason I say that. It's because, not because I want to be an asshole to to a lady, because that's not my style at all. It's just I thought that this was a PG product. Apparently, apparently not. Uh, if you uh, if if you take into account um, both of Carmella's wardrobe choices on Friday night SmackDown this week, because we went from a leopard in the jungle to a dominatrix in a dungeon. And that's an outfit that I don't need to see again. Honest to God. Um, aside from the fact that I find Dominatrix to be absolutely terrifying. <laughs> well, come on, she looks good. She looks hot. Come on. Corey Graves, you, Corey Graves, you lucky bastard. Sorry. Well, well, she, well, she was getting, well, speaking of um, Corey Graves, he was getting champagne sprayed on him by his girlfriend at the end of the night. But well, you're consistently trying to force me to move ahead in this um, podcast. I'm not so, doing anything. I'm waiting for you to get through this review. <laughs> um, well, we're going to skip match number three because it involved Billy Kay and Italia, and I just don't care. So okay. we're going to skip. Yeah, yeah, we need that, yeah. We're gonna. We're also gonna skip Otis and Chad Gable versus Cesaro and Shinsuke because both of those tag teams are not actual tag teams, so it doesn't matter uh, you. Shinsuke and, and uh, Cesaro are, have been a team for a while, so I'd call them a tag team. Well, I, well, I mean, I meant to say they're not going. They're not going up against a legitimate tag team because. Otis and Chad. Oh yeah. Oh, no, yeah. What, just, yeah, just no, no, no. Go on. Uh, next. That's what. That's what I meant to say there. Okay. Next. Uh, next was the main event, which, which unsurprisingly involved Sasha Banks, but very surprisingly, uh, included 
Carmella with her new sommelier, the aforementioned introduced Tommy, who they decided to call a sommelier. I don't know. What, what the fuck? What? Uh, do, you, do you know what a... Look this up on Google because you're quicker oh, than I am. On the fly research. PNC exclusive. Actually, um, uh, give me a minute. I'm gonna I'm gonna plug my phone in and I will look it up. So keep uh, talking, and I will while I um. Plug yeah, this in. So while while he's doing while he's doing that, I will um, I will uh, review the match for you. So um, it's it's very it's very obvious that Banks and Carmella are not on the same skill level in terms of ring work. Um, Carmella hit some elbows after trash-talking Banks in the corner. Um, she goes for a submission move called Code of Silence, which is, uh, which is avoided by Banks, uh, who then hits a springboard Meteora. But then... Uh, Carmella shortly thereafter counters that move with an X factor uh, to send us to a commercial break. You'll, you'll notice that um, Carmella has hit several X factors on banks uh, in the preceding weeks on the entrance ramp. Um, back from commercial, which really hurt this match because it interrupted the flow entirely. Um, they're on the rope, shocking for a position. Carmella is trying to get a hold of Banks. Uh, they go outside of the ring for a minute. Um, for what reason, I couldn't tell you. And then Carmella tosses her back into the ring, gets on top of her from mounted punches, which are reminding me of, of 2000 Stevas matches. Uh, Banks gets free from that. And goes for the bank statement. The Tommy Sommelier gets involved and uh, puts his hands on banks, which is never a good idea. Uh, she gets pissed off and says, how dare you interfere in my match? And hits him with the bank statement. Um, okay, Ben, I've got my phone ready, so let's do this. Okay, very good. Google, what is a Sommelier? Hold on, let's take a look. Google, what is a sommelier? Here's a summary from Chromium Git repositories. Sommelier is an implementation of a Wayland compositor that delegates compositing to a post compositor. As a service called the parent sommelier, it spawns new processes as needed to service clients. <laughs> Thank you, Google. You're very welcome, Elio. <laughs> 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 Ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> that might have been. <laughs> 
Uh, I could cry. Uh, that that might have been the most useless sidebar research session. At least, gentlemen, my uh, my cool, which is I'm not gonna spend over my. On the fly research, courtesy of our new friend Google. That sent me into a into a laughing fit. I wasn't expecting. Are you all right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Okay. Sorry about that. Thank you for briefly muting me. Um, <laughs> I had to uh, I had to regain control of my um of my senses because. Quite frankly, that might have been the most useless sidebar uh, session we've ever <laughs> experienced here on the show because I am no um, I am no closer to understanding what a sommelier is um, because I highly doubt that WWE meant it in the capacity in which you described it. But um, so so you know. But when you have a match between uh, Carmella and uh, and Sasha Banks, unfortunately, our sidebar situations are going to be more entertaining than any actual match because Carmella just does not match up well with Sasha Banks, and that's not insulting. Um, insulting Carmella. Um, I I don't even mind Carmella. I think she can be very entertaining. Entertaining in terms of a, in terms of a gimmick. Certainly not this gimmick, but uh, you know, I, I don't think that's a reflection on her. I just think it's a, it's a mark of the talent disparity between her and Sasha Banks. So after, um, after this match, we get, um, we get Carmilla attacking Sasha with a champagne bottle. And I'll tell you what, that shot's the admin. I'm surprised that she didn't get cut legitimately. Um, that must have been sugar glass on that champagne bottle. Well, hold on, hold on. Was it the color? Was it the colored uh, bottle? It, I mean, it was green. But and what were the other colors? Gold, I think. Okay, so the one that was uh, the one that was different from all the other bottles uh, was the one that was supposed to break. Okay, yeah, well, it was the bottle she picked up was different, so I would have to imagine it was a gimmick bottle because if that was a real champagne bottle, there'd be blood everywhere. Uh, exactly. So. So good on uh, good on WWE for protecting Banks from taking that kind of a shot, um, and and with our rather comedic ending to the SmackDown review, we will now shift our attention to a a throwback pay per view review from a show that took place 21 years ago today, that being Armageddon '99. Yes, and I I uh, I remember this pay per view, and actually on its song, and I give you a quick story actually. Okay, cool. All right, so 
back around around this time around 1999 here in Toronto we had a a phone number called a phone number for this telephone um, directory called Starphone where they have like all entertainment stuff like quizzes and like television show reviews movie uh, previews and such uh, that so, sounds cool so every uh, like if you wanted to find out uh, new movies that are coming out soon you press one you wanted to find out information on wrestling you press two and so on right so back then there was um there was a four four digit code where you type that you punch that in and you get the wrestling trivia or the wrestling report where I would get all my news and rumors and stuff be way before the internet. Right. So the guy, uh, his name was Jolton Joe. So what he did was, I believe it was Jolton Joe or the other guy, because there were two of them, but um, they would do trivia every week. They would do trivia. They would give away uh, right. prizes. So he did a week of trivia, kind of like a Royal Rumble type uh, thing where everyone uh, guesses like oh, five days, all five days of the week, you get a different trivia question every day. Whoever uh, wins it, uh, whoever gets the mock correct wins the prize, right? So kind of like the Royal Rumble, like I got all five and I eliminated like everyone else. The, I was the one that won and so I got a WWF Armageddon uh, prize pack. I won a prize pack which consists of one of those like little dog collar things, the little chains. Oh, uh, cool. A WWF attitude sticker and a WWF green canteen. Oh, you were a high rolling back in the day, huh? <laughs> right. So, but like, I, I remember this pay per view because I remember. Um, that match between Vince and Triple H. But we'll get into that, Ben. Very good. <clears throat> and you know, I have to I have to admit, I have I've seen this um this pay-per-view on my own time several times. Um probably probably more than any other pay-per-view ever, with the exception of uh maybe Halloween Havoc and WrestleMania 25 because it wait, does... wait, you mean you've seen this uh, pay-per-view more than once to me, right? Uh yeah, I probably okay. seen I've probably seen it more than uh, more than five times. Less than ten, but more than five. And uh, but obviously I've never reviewed it for a podcast before. And under those parameters, I have to say that this pay-per-view was really not that good. Um, because it wasn't until match number six, which was, if you don't include the dark match, was X-Pac versus Kane in a cage match with uh, Tori on the outside. Obviously not Tori Wilson, but a T O R I. Yep. Um, and um, and so with that being said, just know that that's the caveat as I review this because I 
I really had trouble following uh, the show um, leading up to leading up to this moment because it started out with a recap of why we're getting uh, Vince McMahon and uh, Triple H in the main event. That was, that was okay. They, they've always done very good video packages, I guess. I guess Kevin Dunn has to have a reason why he has a job because it's certainly not uh, not his face or any other uh, personality uh, perks that he might have. Um, so the first match was a 16-man tag team battle royal, which in which you can I, why they put it why they put it like this I don't know because it was just like an eight-team eight uh, battle Royal. Yeah. We, we had the Dudley Boys versus Edge and Christian versus the Headbangers um, versus the Hardys versus Mean Street Posse, which why the fuck were they in it? Um, versus, the, uh, two versus Two Cool and the Godwins. Uh, and and the, well, I, I don't I don't see the Godwins. I see the Godfather and Mark Henry. Oh, sorry, my bad, my bad. Yeah, sorry, my. It's a god from the Mark Henry. Oh, okay. My, well, yep. Yeah. Well, we'll just we'll, we'll just skip over that snafu. <laughs> but um, as is as is the case with the majority of these large battle royal situations, uh, it did not get interesting until like the final three, which were the Hardys, the Acolytes, and. Who was the third one? Let me see. Um, Hardy's acolytes and I want to I want to say Edge and Christian. Okay, uh, I'm pretty sure. All right. Um. So Edge and Christian get eliminated, um, which means we're down to. The, Hardys versus the Acolytes, and uh, it should be saying it should be said that before we had this um, this ending, uh, both of the teams had at one at one point been eliminated, but uh, the ref was out of position. Uh, for some reason, um, they only had one ref uh, for an eight man battle for an eight tag team battle royal which I found kind of weird I would have expected them to have like an outside enforcer similar to like a survivor series situation mm -hmm. um, because I've, I've taken your advice and started watching the early Royal Rumbles thank you for that oh, okay um, you said you started watching the early Royal Rumbles yeah nice. what, what would you start with well, I started with 90, and then tonight I'm going to go back and, well, tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to go back and uh, check out 87. 87, there's no such thing. It's 88. Oh, I thought you said 87. No, 87 was uh, just a regular battle royal at a live house show. That's uh, where the Royal Rumble idea came from. Yeah, well, I, I I thought you said eighty seven through ninety, so. No, no, eighty eight was the first official pay per view. Okay, so eighty eight apparently. 
Okay. But so, uh, if you think in 87, it's Survivor Series that I told you to go watch. That started in 87. Yeah, that, that's what I meant. Uh, Survivor oh, Series. Oh, Survivor Series, because you said Royal yeah. Rumble. I was like, wait, what? Uh, no, no, I meant... <laughs> yeah, no, I okay. Meant, uh, Survivor Series. I meant Survivor Series, so yeah, we're yeah. on the same page. Um, so, um, I just, you know, uh, and eventually the Acolytes won the match, but I have to say, I was very confused by this match because... The, they said that, that the stipulation was that the winner would get a um, a tag team title match at the uh, at the Royal Rumble, which was the next pay per view following this one. Um, but I ha- I have I'm not a fan of like multiple tag team situations. No, I never have been. I just, I just think they're too convoluted, and so I wasn't really impressed. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, the um, the acolytes got the tag team title opportunity, and then after that was Steve Blackman versus Kurt Angle. Um, I always thought Steve Blackman was underused because he was he was like one of those guys that was a legit badass. Um, you know, not just like a kayfabe situation. Um, and, and, uh, and you notice how he was, he was always so serious? Yeah. He kind of reminded me of Lance Storm in that, in that way. Yeah. Which, which I, which I appreciate when somebody takes their craft seriously. And, and like I said, I thought, um, I thought Steve Blackman was kind of overshadowed in the Attitude Era. Um, where because because of his legitimacy, he could have very well had Ken Shamrock spot had Ken Shamrock not come along. Um, But uh, of course, being that Kurt Angle had just debuted um, shortly before this, obviously he was gonna get the win. And obviously we know what the future held for Kurt Angle. He had the the rocket strapped to his back and left uh, Steve Blackman in his uh, distant rearview mirror. Uh, after this, we are reminded of how bad the diva situation was in the 90s outside of the main players because we had Cole uh, drooling all over himself and BB as she was changing behind one of those... Uh, silhouette screens and, and like I'm like why is this on the show that they're not even having a, they're not even having a bikini contest but unfortunately I, I found out um, shortly thereafter that they were going to have an evening gown pool match this was stupid uh, this was uh, so fu- uh, this was uh, so fucking stupid not, not only because it you know, it put serious competitors such as Ivory and Jacqueline and it forced them to tag up with Miss Kitty and BB. You can you can you can definitely tell there was a hierarchy in the women's locker room at this point. Um, and then we had special referees, Mae Young and Fabulous Mueller. 
Uh, oh my God! Perhaps, perhaps they should have used this two referee idea on the uh, eight man uh, or eight tag team battle royal, as I suggested. But don't. You can just access out the whole pay per view. I know they would give a fuck. Um, and then after that, we get Kevin Kelly uh, interviewing Rikishi, who at this point was Rikishi Fatu. He actually re-debuted in, uh, in TNA briefly as Rikishi Fatu um, before going back to WWE. And he, he had the most useless motherfucking matches I've ever seen. I don't know why he was tag-teaming with Viscera against the Hollies of all people. I guess they were making fun of the Hollies for calling themselves the Super Heavyweights. I don't know. Oh, crash! I was used to uh, carry that stupid scale around. Yeah, well, did I? I didn't see him carry the scale, but they—they they were definitely. This may have been the birth of that because they were calling themselves the, the super heavyweights. Um, I, for some ungodly reason, the Hollies won this match. I guess. I guess they didn't have long-term plans for Rikishi and, and Vess at this point. Oh, my God. Then this fate where you just continues to drag on. Uh, like like I said, I, I I don't recall this pay-per-view being this bad when I was just watching it for my own personal enjoyment. Or maybe I was too young to recognize how stupid some of this was. Uh, but then we have Lillian Garcia interviewing um, a in-storyline triple X porn star uh, to, to be redundant because triple X and porn star are pretty much um, are pretty much unanimous concepts at this point. Um, but he um, he uses his bilingual powers against uh, this was actually a thing. He spoke Spanish to Lillian, and, and I'm, assu- I'm assuming she had to understand what he was saying um, because because we know that Lillian is bilingual, so apparently she was seduced by whatever this big moron said. I don't know. Yeah, they were, uh, they were building this uh, story angle uh, with this uh, story with uh, Lillian Garcia and Vistra, yeah. But even if I was even if I was a straight woman back in these days, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have touched Val Venus with a ten foot pole. Oh, was it more? Wait, wait, sorry, Val Venus. Yeah, yeah, Val Venus is just weird. I didn't, I, I was never a fan. Part part of me for using a ten foot pole joke with a wannabe porn star Val Venus, but you see what I did there. Oh God! It's, it's an interesting evening here on the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. What can I tell you? It's late. Uh, yeah, it is. It's like uh ten sixteen, and when did we start this? I mean, it was like eight o'clock. So yeah. we're definitely we're definitely having a longer show to celebrate our uh, our one hundredth show. So you'll forgive us. It's a, it's a special occasion. I'm not even going to review the uh, European Championship match because 
the British Bulldog didn't win this, and the other options was uh, D'Lo Brown and Val Venus, so I don't give a fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, it it, sh- it should have been British Bulldog, and that's all I have to say. Yep. Um. Next up was the uh, was the first match of the night that I actually paid attention to, which was yeah, um, Kane the next pop. Yes, and um, it was very it was very entertaining hearing the back and forth on commentary between Jr. and uh, and the King because King was in his nineties best talking about puppies and. Uh, and what um, Jr. called penis innuendos, and <laughs> uh, when, when he said that, I literally, oh. I literally almost fell out of my chair. I was oh, like, "Oh, Jim Ross! Oh, <laughs> Jim Ross!" Um, because um, prior to the match, X Doc had said that. Uh, that Tori uh, shouldn't call him anymore because he's not interested in saving her from, you know, from Kane oh. Grader in the bedroom. Oh, wait a minute. The fourth the fourth grader in the bedroom was a joke that came later from Lita to Kane. So, whatever. But anyway, you, you understand what I'm saying about the sexual innuendos. Speaking of uh, sexual innuendos, it keeps going and going. I'm, I'm doing a very good job with my transitions, I must say. Uh, we have uh, Chris Jericho in China, um, which which uh, apparently uh, apparently she was the um, Intercontinental Champion at this point. I thought I thought she didn't win until a little bit later. But apparently she was the Intercontinental Champion uh, at this point. Unfortunately, she lost to the walls of Jericho, and that push uh, came to an end because she went back to being with uh, DX and uh, Triple H for however much longer that was going to last. Uh, next up, we have the Big Show versus the Big Boss Man being accompanied by Prince Albert. Uh, I I could not believe that this was a World Wrestling Federation Championship match, but then again, um, but then again, the Big Show had just debuted, and the Big Boss Man we all know was Vince McMahon's right-hand individual. So, going into WrestleMania 16 in uh, 2000, just a few months later, we already know that this was not destined to be one of the uh, one of the headlining WrestleManias because it's actually known to be one of the worst WrestleManias in history, uh, headlined by a Fiddle four-way match with Big Show entering as the WWF champion, so obviously he would retain here. Um, and then we get into the most interesting part of the evening, that being uh, Triple H versus Vince McMahon in a no-holds-barred match, and the stipulation was also that if Triple H lost, 
um, his marriage to Stephanie would be annulled. And I have to say, Stephanie's acting here was so on point from the word go because when uh, because Triple H uh, came out first and she had this just disgusted look on um, look on her face and actually um, and actually uh, the king said that if your if your wife ever looked at you that way then you know it's time to get divorced. And at that point, once again, I laughed my ass off. Um, and then, uh, then we get into uh, Vince. Vince's entrance, and of course, Vince comes out, and uh, Stephanie just automatically turns to Daddy's little girl, which, as we know, by the end of the night, wouldn't last very long. Uh, in more ways than one. <laughs> so uh, then. Uh, we get the uh, 30 minutes of Hunter just beating the holy shit out of Vince. And the finish comes when uh, Triple H looks to go after Vince with his sledgehammer, but uh, Vince hits uh, the low blow, and then here comes uh, Stephanie McMahon to seemingly celebrate uh, her father's uh, impending victory, but she steps into the ring and begged her dad to let let her get revenge on Triple H and hit him with a sledgehammer. Uh, and yet, yet Steph couldn't bring herself to do it. Uh, Triple H snatched the hammer from her and laid out Vince with win. Now, post match, this is where the angle took place. And he's holding the sledgehammer up. She's going to uh, bring it into Stephanie's skull. And um, it, it seemed that her, her, her world was going to end and she was going to get murdered by the heinous Triple H. And then she smiled at Triple H for some ungodly reason and embraced him, thus sending the pay-per-view off the air and sending the WWE Universe into the McMahon Helmsley era, which unfortunately is still happening over 20 years later, much to the WWE Universe's chagrin. Did, did I miss anything, Ellie? Uh, no, but you got everything, and that brings our review from again 99 to an end. Ben, I while you were doing that review, I was looking over the pay-per-view choices for next week. And what do we have as our options? Now, here are our options. Of course, we're not going to include the live show from like the 30s and so. So we begin in 98, we have Pancras. 99, we have WCW Starcade. We have 2009 ROH Final Battle. But the one that I think would would be the best choice to review would be WWE TLC 2010. And why do you prefer to do that one? Well, because next weekend is TLC. Oh, well, no shit. Um, sorry. Um, I'm a little but, fatigued from this podcast. But yeah, yes, I, I agree. 
Um, we'll, uh, we'll do that one. And then uh, should, since it's a pay-per-view week, do you want to do, um, we'll do the um, pay-per-view predictions and the throwback to 2010 on Tuesday and then give you the follow-up show on Saturday. Okay, we can do that. Um, by the way, I'm just going to get this out of the way. I can't believe they would do this on the TLC pay-per-view. Where do you think Daniel Bryan belongs on a pay-per-view in a dark match or on the main show? On the main show in the main event. All right. Well, on this particular pay-per-view, Daniel Bryan is in the dark match where he defeats Ted DiBiase. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Why would you put Daniel Bryan in a dark match? Because because you have to keep in mind that this was when this was when um he was uh he was coming off his run as the Miz's young boy in NXT. So that's why they did that. But we we both know where uh, Daniel O'Brien truly belonged, and it wasn't on the pre-show in a fucking dark match. Right. Now, uh, this uh, pay-per-view was headlined by John Cena and Wade Barrett, and uh, so that one we will be doing on Friday, on Tuesday. Yes, um, because... Um, well, let's hold on. Would we would we be doing that on Tuesday? Because the pay per view is next Sunday, correct? Yeah. So should we do that on Friday? Oh yeah, <laughs> that, that's what I was saying. We're doing the results uh, the following Tuesday. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just want to yeah, make yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're doing we're doing uh, the paper the next Saturday we're doing the show and then the following Tuesday is the results. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we're 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 right on we're right on point here. All right. So next uh, Saturday night we'll be back with episode one oh one and um and we'll take you back to WWE booking one oh one as we continue to have to uh, deconstruct the stupidity that is WWE main roster storytelling. And I'll try and find another another way to f- freak the scare the crap out of Ben with one of my creepy ass profile pictures. But who knows? Yes, I was uh, <laughs> I was semi disappointed that you didn't have one this week. But you no no I, I still have to I have to find uh, some new ones. <laughs> well, very good. Well, something to look forward to, and uh, we. Certainly appreciate you uh, taking the time to tune in to episode 100. And we will see you right back here next week for 101. And we hope you enjoy the uh, journey to 200 as we are just getting started here on the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. 100 more opportunities to scare the crap out of you. Exactly. <laughs> and, with, and with that being said, I send a heartfelt thank you to the listeners. Um, for sticking with us this long. Uh, if, if you're an OG of the podcast, we appreciate it. And all the way down to the uh, fresh first-time listener right here on episode 100. Thank you to you, and thank you to Elio for putting, me, for putting up with me for 100 episodes. I don't know how he did it, but his um, 
but his resolve shall be tested over the next 100 episodes. And hey, hey, hold on. You, you have 100 more opportunities to figure out what the hell is wrong with me, which you said you've been trying well, to figure I, out for I'm, two I'm years. Definitely, I'm definitely going to need that opportunity, and hopefully I will have the answer for you on episode 200, which I assure you we will reach in another two years or so right here on the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Until next time, he is the gentleman, Elio Canella. I am Ben Pierce. Together we are the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast, and we will see you next week. All right. Talk to you all then. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Been searching in the dark, sweat soaking through the floor. And buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore. Taking your breath, stealing your mind, and all that was real is left behind. Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you. It's only this moment, don't care what comes after. Your fever dream, can't you see? Getting closer, just surrender, cause you feel the feeling.